0: Bucs got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits. At the big ball, East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Under
1: Perea lays it up, 1.4. Perea hits it, the pass is caught, ready
0: for the game-winner. Wide left, Bucs win, ball game. Knuckles spotting for three, the place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, he's going to make Sports Center with an incredible.
1: Jarvis Jones, a game-winner, right. got it, ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave. They got game. him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson.
0: 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He
1: got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. shout up to my new friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It somebody. doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandoz and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network.
0: Good Friday. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, jam-packed show today, recapping ETSU men's and women's basketball, previewing men's and women's basketball and giving our most terrible, bold predictions for the weekend that will happen. And uh, we'll see how we go. Making up a little ground on Gallagher. he seems. To I got to break uh, an
2: 11 prediction losing streak here. I'm in real trouble. I like it. I got to pick myself up by the booth. Your commanding
0: here. lead has gone downhill. I'm
2: demoralized. Yeah. I, I, my confidence is shot. Uh, how, how do you come back from this? I'm not quite sure.
0: Yeah, and the uh, Southern Conference on the men's side got flipped a little upside down again as uh, Furman defeats UNCG. Saw that come. I did. Speaking of predictions, I yeah. I mean, you saw were that all coming. over that. You were all I'm telling over you, it. i just And I feel like UNCG is going to have a tough matchup against Wofford and the physicality they have. And. Uh, you know, probably, again, the best thing for the league was to have UNCG win and only lose to Wofford, have two losses, uh, and and Wofford go undefeated for this. But now I'm reading stuff from MBC Sports and some other – out of any year, because there is no, I think, ten dominant teams in college basketball. You know, there's already not very good dominant teams in basketball, and then a lot of teams that are traditional powers that aren't very good and aren't going to make the tournament, I think this could be the year – and I don't know if it's going to be the SOCON, the OVC, or a couple other leagues, but there's going to be, I think, for the first time in a long time, there's going to be some non traditional leagues that get multi teams in. Now, the question is is that a fad to stay, or is this just going to be a one off because it seems like. Uh, the big boys aren't having quite the years that they've had in the past
2: what do you think the main factor is this year is it the pac-12 being down as it is where there may be out a I couple think, more
0: bids I or do two. you think it's everywhere i think pac-12 is only going to get one or two the sec is not what people thought it was going to be they're not going to get as many in then it comes down to the Big 12, like West Virginia was predicted to be a top-20 team. Terrible. They clearly have not been. They're like 10 and 14. Yeah. So they're not going to be very good. They're not going to get as many teams in. So then do you want to fill it with, you know, the ninth place Big Ten and ACC team? I mean, do you really want to go down that route? The Big East is another one that thought they were going to have four teams in. They might get two. So there, there's there's a lot of leagues that normally get – you know, f- uh, you know, if the Pac 12 got four teams in, that's about right. SEC is usually three to four. You know, then, but if you take two out of each of those leagues, the Big East had gotten three or four teams in the last several years, too. You put two there, take one out of that. So there's five or six slots up for grabs. Here's
2: one thing I want to pump the brakes on. I saw last night on Twitter people were saying the SOCON's a four bid league. The SOCON's never been a multi bid league, correct? Never in the history of the league has the team gotten uh, correct. two teams correct. in the same tournament. So, Let's take it a step at a time. I love where people's heads are at. You know, everyone's got 20-plus wins now, uh, and clearly these four teams are separated by very little, I think it's safe to say. You think that ETSU is better than Furman by a significant amount when you win by 23 at home, and then, of course, last week the – 30-point drubbing happens on the road, and then you think Furman's out of it, and then all of a sudden they rattle off a couple back-to-back wins against really good teams. So I understand the premise behind it, but to go from one to four bids may be a bit over the top. This is going to be, I think, a slower process. I certainly hope, and it should be, I've been hoping, I should say, for the better part of five, ten years that instead of going with the eighth or ninth team out of a power conference, it would be more mid-majors, but the Silicon isn't going to go from one to four. I think one to two is very possible, and I'll be interested to see who that number two is. I think right now you'd still have UNCG with a slight edge over Furman. Would that be fair to say? Uh,
0: yes, I, I, I would. If you put him on a neutral floor, um, you know, again, Timmins Arena is a tough place to play, and I, I think uh, you put them on a neutral floor, and to be honest, Furman has struggled in the Southern Conference Tournament. I think the one year they got to the championship game, they're actually the 10 seed. Wow, uh, and, and other than that, I don't think they've been to a ch- excuse me a championship game since maybe the '80s. I mean, it's just been a long time coming for Furman uh, to get to that point. So I feel like Wofford. If I had to power rank, I still sure. think Wofford is one. I still think UNCG is two, and I think ETSU is three. And again, because I'm r- ranking this off, ETSU has played Furman sure. two years in the semifinals, and they really haven't been close. ETSU has wore out Furman uh, in Asheville, and I feel like if they play again in Asheville, they would do that again, and I think Furman is a solid four, and it's the rest of the league. I, I think that's how I would rank them.
2: Very fair to have ETSU over Furman. I don't think there's any question about it. The beauty of it is I think ETSU is the most dangerous postseason team outside of UNCG, when we're talking outside of Furman, because just simply Furman has separated themselves, are at the top of the league now by two full games. Um, So I I think that with ETSU and their success in the postseason, and just how good of a coach Steve Forbes is to get his team up for big games and up for bounce backs and up for um, big spots where you need to win, like coming off losses that we've seen really throughout his career, uh, I think that ETSU has the best chance, in my opinion, to come from that three or four slot, wherever you have them in the power rankings, to upset U N C G, upset a Furman, uh, but regardless, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. I, I just think four bids is probably a bit optimistic. I, I really love where uh, people are, you know, coming from because you look at the teams and say there's very little separating them. How the committee will do that if? The league does get two bids, and perhaps it's a bit easier if Wofford goes down in the postseason and UNCG, ETSU, or Furman wins the tournament and Wofford gets the at-large. That's probably the easiest scenario for the committee. If that doesn't happen and one of the other three teams, aside from Wofford, gets an at-large, I don't know how they're going to delineate
0: Yeah, and, and I think the, you know, you look at the, the records, you look at the standings, you look at everything. There's 421 teams. I mean, ETSU technically overall records the worst at 20 and 7. Uh, right. Furman's 21 and 5, and UNCG 22 and 4. Now, You know, you could look at that a couple different ways because as far as marquee wins, Furman uh, probably has the most marquee win. Then probably Wofford has the next marquee win, number two. I I don't know that you really write down UNCG or ETSU for a marquee win. Uh, I think they're they're only tier one wins have come in the league, uh, Mm. to be honest with you. Uh, And where Wofford and Furman have tier one wins that are – Outsider Zone One, or whatever the heck they call that thing nowadays in NET, but whatever those are, those have come outside. So, uh, you know, when UNCG played one more non-division one game than ETSU, so they played three. So you look at that record, and the committee is not going to see twenty-two and four; they're going to see nineteen and four. Same thing with ETSU. They'll be eighteen and seven, not twenty and seven. Mm. And so you got to look at it a little bit that way too. Furman would not have twenty wins under that scenario. I think they played three non-division one teams. Um, Wofford did too, but they actually had scheduled six Power Five teams, so they went a little different route to make up for playing all those teams. And and one of those games got canceled against uh, Stanford. But right now their four losses are to Power Five schools. Right. Uh, and a couple of pretty good, yeah, exactly. Couple of North Carolina's pre- in that list, pretty darn good. Carolina, Kansas is another one. Yeah. Oklahoma's not bad, although I think they've tapered off towards the end of the year. They still Big Twelve. depending on how it goes, they could get in the tournament as well. And then Mississippi State, who was ranked for a while, was the other loss for Wofford. So you you look at it that way. Um, the committee's going to see, and, and so they'll go. But I think Furman will clearly get over twenty wins. They're going to win three or four more games uh, the rest of the year. ETSU's going to win three or four more games. So is UNCG and Wafford. So they're going to have over the the 20 wins uh you know and when you minus the non d ones it might be the fact where they get you know in the in the ballpark of 25 26 uh, Division one wins uh, when it comes down to it. And it'll be very important for ETSU. I mean, UNCG's got two, two of the three top four teams. They still got to go to Wofford Saturday, right. and then they get to play ETSU at home.
2: So three games that I think could make this league even crazier. If UNCG goes on the road this Saturday, tomorrow that being, and defeats Wofford, ETSU goes to UNCG on the 24th, beats UNCG, and then Furman beats Wofford as well. Then you've got Wofford with two losses. You've got UNCG with, I think at that point, it would be three. And ETSU would still be on four. Furman would still be on four. I mean, that would be absolute chaos and a
0: lot of fun, I think. No, that's absolutely right. It would be great fun for fans and everything else. Probably bad for at-large talks. Sure. That's what stinks. And that's another thing. I, I really wish... There's might not be another year like this in Southern Conference basketball for a while. Got to treasure, and it. I feel like fans aren't enjoying it. Yeah, I I feel I think like you're right. some of the fans are not enjoying it. There's a lot. I mean, there's just like right now, you should you should. Mar- there are many times in the league you could take any one of these teams and put them in a different year, and they may just run rump shot through the league. Of course, Wofford is right now. They're fourteen and up. Right. Which let's give Wofford credit. Think about how good this league is right now. They haven't lost the game. They've they've won a couple a nip and tuck games they blown out of people. We had a little bit of luck in that Sanford game, which you have to have to win championships. It happens. You can go through the list of everybody's won championships. At some point in time, something's happened weird that went in your favor to win it. I get that. But I don't think people are really understanding what sort of a special season this is and how fun this is because it's not always going to be that way in the Southern Conference. You're not going to have four teams getting national attention, doing things, and it's just the, the dollars and cents aren't there, and I can prove it with history. You know, we'll find out. But I really think people should just sit back and think about what a spectacular, fun league this is this year. How everything is unbelievable good, and everything is a good win, and it's really good basketball if you paid attention. And I know there's been a couple blowouts. Wofford's blowing out ETSU and UNCG. Furman is blowing out ETSU. ETSU blew out Furman. You know, we've had nip and tuck games where Wofford and ETSU went to overtime. We've seen UNCG. Win in single digits at ETSU. So we've seen a little bit of everything. I think UNCG with a squeaker against Furman at their place. So a lot going on uh, there in that standings. And the top four have separated themselves. Are they going to beat each other up enough down the stretch? I think it all depends on if Wofford uh, wraps up the league if they beat UNCG. Uh, Because I just can't see. I know they have more than three games left. but. We just don't see that, right? I mean, mathematically,
2: a, it may not be the case, but absolutely, ex- exactly, guessing, the yeah.
0: magic number may not be there to say sure. it's over, but but it's it's over at that point. Sure. And then you're still talking about UNCG, ETSU, and Furman with an opportunity to still finish somewhere between two to two to four. And to me, at this point, I'm not sure. I've had this question asked last couple of days, and I'll get your take. And we may just take a break and do the recaps in okay. a second. But here, here's my question to you. Yeah. Uh, and again, we're we're talking men's side. I'll go over the women's uh, standings just because I find that equally. Uh, entertaining as well once you get outside of Mercer. Right. But looking at the men right now, and everybody, well, who do you want to play? I've had that asked a lot. Well, what's our best matchup? You know, we're probably not going to win the league, so do we want to be in that three slot or four slot? So, first of all, nobody's going to try to lose to get in a four slot. Right. <laughs> you know, now I get, like, if it happens, it may work out Do you get that, but nobody's going to try to lose. I said, and there's still a shot you get in the two. Uh, there, there really is because Wofford beats UNCG, three U- losses. Yeah, ETSU beats them, that's four here, yeah. losses, and you go into tiebreakers. Right. And you go all that fun stuff. So so you look at the list all together, and, and they've asked, what's the best matchup? And I guess because of what I've said earlier, the success of ETSU versus Furman in the Southern Conference, tournament is the only reason I'm saying this. I think Furman would be a good matchup, but I don't know that UNCG can fall all the way to – Four. I, I mean, I know there is because Furman could actually win out. UNCG could lose a couple more games, and then you have to go tiebreakers. And I don't right. have time to break that down. You don't but, probably see it happening, but I don't. The likelihood to me is is, is not great. Uh, right. Maybe a ten percent chance, fifteen percent right. chance that that happens. So I think ETSU is more than likely going to be in the two-three game against UNCG is probably the the most likely. I think that could happen. Then I think the next most likely is the Bucks end up losing a tiebreaker or something and finish fourth. Right. And then it's Wofford and ETSU uh, in that semifinals. Semis, yeah. And I think the least likely, but I think the most favorable would ETSU meet Furman in the semis in Asheville. Just, again, going all past success and Furman having trouble winning games in Asheville. And then ETSU, then, like last year, letting, uh, you know, Wofford and UNCG kind of go toe to toe. And I thought that win last year by UNCG versus Wofford. Wofford had three shots with Fletcher McGee to win it and didn't hit any of them, which was shocking because he wasn't looking at the goal on at least two of those shots, and that's his best shot. Right. But I thought that was a situation where that would take more out of UNCG. It didn't, and UNCG ended up obviously beating ETSU and going. But that that's my scenario. What do you uh, think would be the best scenario? Because that's been posed to me.
2: Yeah, I want Furman. I think that our conversation on Monday coming off the Furman loss should tell everyone that simply because I downplayed that loss I didn't think it was as big of a deal as everyone else I wasn't panicking because the game was close at the beginning of the second half and Furman just went on one of the most incredible shooting performances that we've seen throughout that second half and really on the whole the entire game 64 percent for the for the game and hit 12 of their first 16 threes and you and me both talked about and mostly you because you've got the history behind it, but the great shooting performances against ETSU over the years, and I look back at some of those, and they didn't approach 64% from the field. So that is one of the best shooting days against the Bucs in the last 10 or 15 years of basketball wherever ETSU has played, neutral site, road, or home. So I still think Furman is much more the team that ETSU beat by 23 at home rather than the team they lost to by 30 on the road. I would love to see that 2-3 matchup be furman ETSU. I also am with you that I don't think it's going to happen. I also come from the camp, though, a little different from you, where I think that you're going to have to beat the best teams in order to win the conference title. Now, the top four are certainly separated by very little. I do think Furman is probably... You know, ETSU and Furman right now, I think we're on the outside of the other two, Wofford and UNCG, whatever order you want to put Furman and ETSU in. So that leads me towards Furman just a bit. To not have to beat UNCG and Wofford, I will give you this, would be a significant advantage just because we've seen UNCG in the postseason and what they're able to do. Uh, Wofford obviously is head and shoulders right now in the standings, and we've seen on the court for the most part above the rest, but... uh, ETSU also took them right down to the wire and very well could have beaten them and maybe should have beaten them at Freedom Hall uh, one week ago. So I think in the first round, I want to avoid Sanford. We talked about that a couple days ago. In the second round, the semis, I would love to see Furman and then whoever's left from Wofford and UNCG in the championship. But right now, I think that UNCG and Wofford are the two best teams in the league, and they probably will be one and two and it'll take an upset to quote unquote upset. Wouldn't be that big of an upset, I don't think, on a neutral site to beat one of those teams if you're Furman or ETSU. would a quote unquote upset in the seedings for it not to be UNCG and Wofford in the championship game. And ETSU is very capable of that upset. Is Furman, I don't think, as likely?
0: I think in years past, there's always a five, six, seven seed that, and really that was a couple years ago. I think the three through seven or four through seven was a one game separation. And so there was some dogfights in the quarterfinals to get to the semis. There are some matchup issues. We know that Sanford is always a tough out for ETSU, so if they match up there. Uh, Mercer's always a tough out for UNCG for whatever reason. So I know there could be a couple of matchups that throw a monkey wrench, but out of any other season, it looks like in the quarters it should be chalk go forward. And then from there, I don't know, I mean, other than maybe Wofford losing in the semifinals uh, to anybody – I don't think it's that shocking. I guess you can call that an upset because they, they had been so dominant. The other thing is the pressure of they're still undefeated at that time. You know, that thing starts to build. They got 13 True. wins in a row. True. We saw what happen at ETSU after the 16 wins, and then it all kind of went downhill. You know, how does that take the steam out of your cell? There are people, and I've never understood this, that say, well, you know, you probably got to lose one before you go to the tournament. Why? Why Why? do you have to lose? I don't I – don't, I don't, I, I, I've never <laughs> bought into that. I don't know why that – is believed to be a thing because sometimes a loss exposes things and changes things. And, and, and we saw it last year. he you had won 16 games. All of a sudden there's a loss and you turn around, there's two losses and there's three losses. And then they did recover to get to the championship game. But you know, there wasn't anything good about that. And I don't think it's good for Wofford to lose one before they go to the tournament. Well,
2: I think it is to your point. I think where people are coming from when they say that is the pressure builds and it mounts and it starts to become a mental game where you're like, wow, we haven't lost in, Forever, and you start to press a little bit to keep that streak going that's where i think it comes from so it's actually to the point that you just made and i've seen much to my the the breaking heart of a nine-year-old child gary anderson after going a complete season without missing a field goal <laughs> miss left in the <laughs> nfc championship game so i see where people for are the dirty birds you're yes, happy about exactly, that right yes. yeah
0: okay all right hey i did uh, real quick for the women and it'll be very quick we'll take a a small break but uh, merch continues to roll the top of the league you know, Furman's interesting spot, too. Chattanooga, three, ETSU, four. I think the only goal for everybody in the women's to get to the championship game to play presumably Mercer is to not be in the 4-5 game. And right now ETSU is sitting firmly in the four, but they're just a game back of Chattanooga because everyone else is jumbled still right there. And I think if ETSU gets into the three seed, I think the matchup with them and Furman is very favorable, and we'll find out Saturday, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I think it's favorable in Asheville to, to win that game and have an opportunity to who knows what happens in the one-game championship uh, in Asheville. But I think I speak for every team not named Mercer – I don't think you want in the 4-5 game to try to beat them in the semis. I think you'd rather see what happens in the championship.
2: Yes, and I think they are better than every other team in the league, but it's not by as much as in some of the previous years. They've played tight games. I talked to one person yesterday after the game, and they are like, boy, uh, it uh, it might be ugly here when Mercer comes into Brooks Gym. I was like, what do you mean? Uh, Mercer's played really every game close against any kind of formidable team in the Southern Conference you even see against Wofford when they had to go to Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium it took a layup with two seconds or four seconds left with Shannon Titus to win by two so I think the exact opposite I think that ETSU could absolutely beat Mercer here when they get them in a week or so uh, at Brooks Gym because they are just such a better team at home Uh, and not to get into a big long thing but I think that Mercer, while they are better than the rest of the teams, I think from one to seven, this league is kind of up in the air to an extent, and certainly two to seven. Uh, We've seen Sanford have a great shooting day against ETSU and beat them on the road by 21. You know, UNCG has had some decent wins in the conference. So I think you first have to look at the first round, and ETSU lost to Wofford yesterday, uh, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. They're the five seed right now. Chattanooga, we know can they're off to a great start. Now they've lost two in a row, uh, and then Furman. We're going to see what they have tomorrow, which we'll preview in segment number three.
0: Yeah, and as and the last point, and we'll take a break uh, and recap yesterday's games for men's and women's basketball. But but Samford, I, I was there for that Samford Mercer women's game yep. prior to our men's game, and they go to overtime with them, and, they, and they're three and six. They're they're the sixth seed, and you you talking right. about the five seed. So no, I, I I get I think Mercer is the best team in the league, and I think you're right. The gap is nowhere near. Um, what Just like I think Wofford is the best team in the league, but one through four, the gap is, is not much. Right. I mean, Wofford's made enough plays. They deserve to be with our because they've won those games, but it's really not much. We'll recap the games. Uh, segment one, I think we should just title this, um, Fans Be Happy with the great SoCon this year or something. <laughs> All right, we'll step aside for time, but we'll recap what was a career day for Isaiah Tisdale right after this timeout to hear a word from Santa's Sidekicks Sid, to the Buccaneers Sports Network.
1: It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet, or tardiness. We're to work, Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're
0: a half hour late to work. Oh, come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
2: Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e Checking Accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e Checking Accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC.
1: Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go bucks. Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe Navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. City way where-
0: and a sidekick, back with you after we got sidetracked on some great Southern Conference basketball. chat. I can't stress it enough. Enjoy it. We may not have another great year like this of great basketball in the Southern Conference for a long time. All right, that's enough about that. ETSU got back in the win column yesterday on the men's side of things, a 91-83, thanks in part to a huge day from the junior college transfer point guard, Isaiah Tisdale.
1: My whole attitude towards the team. If i got to play the 3, the 2, the 1, the 5, I'll do anything just to get a win and definitely help my team out, be a leader, coming off the bench, coming off the team, just to help them out any way possible. So I believe coming off the bench is not really a big deal to me. Uh has been playing really good, and uh, I'll give him credit. He deserves a start. And uh, I believe just giving off my energy off the bench definitely helps the team significantly.
2: Talking about Davian Williamson, who last night had an off night, seven points, at one for five from the field. But Isaiah Tisdale, there you heard. Picked up his teammate, 29 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds. My favorite buck, admittedly, I've said that. I think that he can do the kind of thing that he did last night. And Steve Forbes said that really Isaiah Tisdale is in there not for scoring, but when he does do something like he did last night, watch out.
1: He's been playing like that, really. I just He's been playing really at a high level. And, he, and, and he's really in the game because he's a great defender. And then when he does this, man, you know, that's a, that's a heck of an outing for him. He made big free throws made threes, made two-point shots. That's, that's hard to do. That's a, kind of a DeSante Bradford-type performance at the point, you know, uh, to have – can be able to make some threes and, make the, and and still be big enough to get their basket.
2: Big night for Isaiah Tisdale, and I thought the best moment of the night for me was – you described it well on the broadcast – Citadel really made the conscious choice – On a couple of possessions. So, Levi's, Isaiah Tisdale just wide open from beyond the arc. Take the chance that he would hit it, and he did end up going three of six from downtown. There are facets of this man's game that people do not know about, that do not show up on scouting reports, that he has, and that can make you pay if you don't respect him.
0: Let me tell you what I enjoyed about that, and uh, we we don't have the soundbite put in, but he did, I asked him about that, the fact they went to Tandem in three, which is basically they, they try to take away the three best players and basically say, I'm gonna leave the other two guys wide open. And mm. in practice he said, that's exactly what you know coaches did. They they left me open and saying, Hey, they're they're going to do this. They're going to dare you to hit this shot. And then he said the coaches were even yelling at him like the Citadel coaches, You can't shoot, leave him up Yeah, you know, <laughs> just to make it game like and it was so funny because as soon as he got the ball in the corner you could hear uh Dugar Bacham tell him to back up, can't right. shoot, and sure enough, right in front of him. Tisdale hits the shot and kind of mouth. grins running down the court. And yeah. I think my other favorite uh, question was about that last shot where he had the step back, which is not in his game. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I was just feeling it. Yeah. I was feeling pretty good then. I
2: said, let me hit him with the move was the quote. <laughs> I was like, yes, that is phenomenal.
0: So he's just uh, he's a fun guy to deal with. You can't be happier with, with the the team attitude, the way he handled the situation. He talked about Dave in that first goal. I thought it just showed you what type of guy he is, and he just really wants to win, and for the most part, It's hard to find guys that uh, aren't likable on this team that just want to do whatever they want to to win. I mean, Bo Hodges, 18 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. He was expected to be the guy this year and and get that man on. He's He's not done – but he hasn't done anything to, like – I'm going to be that guy like he's just playing the role doing whatever you need to do he's starting to put up numbers like the guy though I mean it's been a
2: number of well-rounded performances now lately where you see it's not just scoring that he'll go and hit the boards that he will facilitate a bit and I think last year when he was kind of coming into his own I'm not sure if you saw as many games where there were those tertiary stats aside from points you know it was it was like he'll be able to do you know a little bit of everything but he's starting to do a lot of everything. And to see his day unfold the way it was, yeah, overshadowed by his like I feel like Bo has been kind of overshadowed on a couple different days by players that are, have, like, career days. and He, he can't
0: be the leading scorer yeah. somehow. Somebody always eclipses him by, like, one or two, or, or in this case, 11.
2: You're right, but an incredible night. And Patrick had also had 18, and ETSU puts up 91. Now, I was a bit scared late you kind of sitting back and saying all right well you know ETSU picks up another W and you know Citadel obviously the team that we thought they were but with like 30 seconds left was a three-point game and you kind of tense up a bit because I don't think that the atmosphere inside Freedom Hall really told you it was a three-point game it seemed like the uh, coast from the fans was was on a little bit, not to call it the fans at all, but it just didn't seem like there was the energy there last night with that game that there are for some uh, ETSU home games, and so when it was a three point game, I just had to snap to attention and be like, this one isn't over. I gotta get back on, you know, I gotta pay more attention to this contest because certainly Citadel had a chance late to do a little bit more than they did before losing by eight.
0: Yeah, and it, for whatever reason, again, it's all about matchups, and I think the style of game the Citadel plays is tough coach Forbes and what all they want to try to accomplish on offense and defense and there's other teams that don't have trouble with Citadel in the same token ETSU for the most part hasn't had any trouble with Mercer and Mercer beat UNCG at least once a year and so the, it's all about matchups and Western always seems to clip somebody that um, you know even when Chattanooga was rolling Western Carolina even this year I think it's the first time ever they won in Chattanooga two years in a row and just for whatever reason, there are teams and matchups that just give other teams fits. We all, we all pull for a team uh, that you can name off top of your head that's not a very good team traditionally. And you're like, God, no matter what my team does, they always struggle with this team. Right. And, and it always happens. So, the Citadel is that free TSU. Steve Forbes turning a page because he has to very quickly as they take on Mercer on Saturday.
1: Coach Hoffman and Mercer, they run a lot of things on offense. So, we're going to have to be really locked in tomorrow on the plan of how we're going to guard those things. You know, it's kind of the same turnaround we had when we played them on the on the road. You know, it was a, a quick turnaround from Citadel to Mercer, so it's the same thing tonight. And so, you know, we just got to really be locked in. and We got to defend better. And You know, uh, Ross Cummings is one of the prolific, more prolific scorers in our league. So we're going to have to do a good job guarding him for sure.
2: Coach Forbes kind of called his team on the carpet a little bit in his first comment to you last night that the team has really regressed defensively. Regressed is a word that he used. And 83 points to Citadel is not an outlandish number. That's about what Citadel averages on the year. But... The shooting performance was very impressive and something that I think many were worried about going into the game. Citadel had been shooting terribly in conference play. go 17 for 33 from outside. But I'm sure that today, ahead of the Mercer contest, a lot of practice will be focused on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you give up. I mean, if you look at the second half of Furman, I think it was in the first half yesterday against Citadel, um, 96 points. I think it was like 17 threes, something crazy. Uh, that was hit in, in one game. And then uh, the citadels shoots and takes a lot of threes, given that. Now, Furman, that was a a rare day for them yes. a, as far as their performance, just even going back and looking, even though they beat UNCG yesterday. I think they started the game two for 10 or 11 from three uh, against the Spartans. So, I think it's a little bit of a different makeup. Certainly, the defense gave uh, pause, uh, I think, for, for head coach Steve Forbes, and we'll see uh, what they do against Mercer, a team that they generally – uh, well, they haven't lost to him in a Steve Forbes area. They've generally figured it out, so we'll have to see sort of how that goes and how it is, and, and we know that the fan base will show up for Mercer because they just they just hate Bob. They love to hate Bob. They love to yell at Bob. I love Poor Bob. Bob. I love Bob, and I'm on the record of saying that. I think he's a really good guy off the court. I get it. He has antics. He does some things on the court that people don't like, but off the court just a a, a really good human being. All right, turn the page real quick. Other recap, ETSU tough loss against Wofford. And what was it, 17, I think, ETSU was down. Uh, 20 at one point. 51 to 31. Oh, man. And then all of a sudden it just – shots started going down, and here come uh, the women's team. And, you know, they didn't have the 39 that they had in the fourth quarter, but they threw 29 on the board. Made up uh, a lot of ground and had an opportunity. I think he had a shot with – it was about eight seconds to go to make it a one-point game, fouled with four seconds, and then still had a shot to try to tie the game late.
2: Eric Haynes over to with 4.6 at that corner three. Then they quickly fouled on in the inbounds pass. The clock had added time to it after it went down to 3.6. They put it at four seconds even. Both free throws from Alexis Tomlin, who hasn't really been in a lot of big spots. I mean, she's like the sixth or seventh option offensively, so smart of ETSU to follow her, but she hits both. You come down, and the final sequence, you know, Brittany Zell calls a timeout. She has the one timeout left. I think things worked out incredibly well for ETSU in that situation because they were down six with, like, I think it was 18 seconds to play or or right around in that area. Uh, So, really, when you get it down to a chance where you have uh, possession to force overtime because it was 70 to 68 – or, pardon me, 74 to 68 with 30 seconds left, I mean, six-point game, you're like, well – this might be tough I mean we might not have that final ditch effort to be able to go to overtime for the second time in three games but they did have that chance they advanced the ball into the front court and Erica Haynes-Overton and Micah Sheets it was kind of a two-player game Sheets inbounded to Haynes-Overton right around mid-court Haynes-Overton got to the right wing and kind of turned around and looked at Micah Sheets like she was expecting her to try and get free and Micah Sheets was covered up by her defender and wasn't making any aggressive move to lose that defender. So I don't know what the play call was in the huddle. ETSU has struggled at times on last possessions. Um, I can recall the UNC Asheville game, Coach l said, a player flat forgot what they were supposed to do, what play we were calling. That, that's what she said on camera post game. So I'm not breaking news or anything like that. And it, it seemed like a bit of confusion between Erica Haynes Overton and Micah Sheets. Still have to be impressed by the lack of quit in this team. I mean, down 20 in front of 1800 screaming children in a season where you're seven and 17 entering the contest. Now we're playing for a lot yesterday because you could have improved to six and three in the league, uh, but. You can get demoralized, but this team doesn't, and I was very impressed by their effort. Let me let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a stat line like Lexus Spears from yesterday? Just getting ready to read that. 17 points in six minutes on seven of seven from the field and also had four rebounds. Yet, that I, is outrageous. I, I
0: literally have it highlighted on my computer outrageous. to bring up to you. I was going to bring that up. You stole my thunder, but that – I mean, in general, the post play, they were 16 of 21. Yeah. I mean – Pretty doggone good numbers there, but the the seven for I mean, when you have more field goals than minutes played, and then you're, uh, which means you obviously have more points than minutes played, but to have eleven points more than minutes played yeah. and 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 pretty good work rate, isn't it? That's even tough because I mean, if you have thirty minutes played, it's tough to have forty one points, right? You, I mean, no matter how you break it down, it's very difficult to do that. But yes, that was impressive. Now they and we'll go into. Furman in a minute you know certainly Furman much better post play than Wofford but man once ETSU figured out hey we can get the ball inside and they have no issues and they can't stop anybody it seemed to change the whole complexion well
2: and the complexion could have been changed a lot earlier if Brittany Snowden and Lexus Spears weren't in foul Foul trouble trouble a lot of the day which was unfortunate because Brittany Snowden was getting fed pretty early and often and she was having success but then she picks up the second, third fouls, and she couldn't really stay on the floor. And then Lexis Spears, you know, she has the four fouls in six minutes. So that's also pretty impressive, right? I mean, four fouls in six minutes, that's, uh, she's around the ball a lot on both ends, and she committed those fouls that kept her off the floor more. Still to have in 22 minutes, 21 minutes technically, Snowden and Spears, 30 points and 11 rebounds, I mean, is otherworldly. But I really think that ETSU would have been in a better position going to that fourth quarter where they outscored Wofford 29-18 to 18, if they could have kept Spears and Snowden on the floor, which obviously did not happen and you lead yourself to that last-second scenario. Wofford is negative 52 in the fourth quarter since losing what could have been the freshman of the year, Jackie Carmen, over the last eight games. They're now three and five so they have struggled they're down to nine healthy bodies they get some fatigue in that fourth quarter ETSU just kept pounding it grinding it and making sure that they were able to get to that last possession where they had a chance and unfortunately uh, Erica Haynes Overton for the second time this year it was against Liberty as well right wing three leaves it short now the Bucks have to turn around quickly and go to Furman
0: yeah you go to Furman two o'clock tomorrow men play Mercer at four we'll preview those games after this time out on San Sidekicks is the Buccaneers Sports Network Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics,
1: Go box! 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mullican Hardwood
2: Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with mullicans pre-finished sold or engineered, ready to install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton
1: Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pre-game or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types. Designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shell on the App Store or visit mydesignsapp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you
0: can count on embracing common-sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sandos and a sidekick back with you. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, don't forget to... Don't forget to give us a download. How's that? SoundCloud, iTunes. Don't you write that down. Don't you write that down. That was just a stumble. Santa's sidekick back with you. Uh, what I was trying to say is you can easily download the show, and you can subscribe to an RSS feed where you get an update. There you the go. The show will be <laughs> very clear. Uh, the notification. Uh, when it's uploaded, it says, ding, hey, the show is there, ding. and you can download and go." Or you can have it automatically set to download every single time. That's that awesome. being said, thank you. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Coach Forbes, chiming in there. That's awesome. All right, speaking of awesome ETSU, men's and women's in action. The women play 2 o'clock versus Furman. That will be on the ESPN Family Networks. No radio covers that because the men's game at 4, 3.30 pregame show. Starting with the women real quick, certainly – the game against Furman ETSU in Brooks Gym, able to pick up a win, 75-70. But it seems like to me the key to stopping Furman has to start with Selena Taborn, and how in the world can anybody stop her in the league?
2: She's a beast. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, Seventy or 67% from the floor this year, and in conference play that number is even higher against ETSU in the first game, 22 points on 10 of 11 from the field. Really, she didn't get going until I believe it was Brittany Snowden, or it was Lexis Spears, pardon me, that got in foul trouble. And so Brittany Snowden came in, and she really got the better of Snowden down low on the defensive side. She's just bigger. Uh, There's no question about it. She's an impressive uh, in her stature and also in her skill. I mean, it's not just about her stature. 6'3", and gets up and down the floor pretty well. Really, in transition, I was impressed because she – was very intelligent about her movements and getting position early on and flat out sometimes beating ETSU down the court so she had a great day and she's had lots of great days not just against ETSU but against the rest of the league as well. Um, 67% is kind of outrageous. Lexa Spears is second in the league in uh, field goal percentage at 60% and then there's no one above 51% so she's 16% clear of all starters in the league is Selena Taborn 122 of 181. Here's what you have to be careful of if you're ETSU. Yes, they beat Furman 75-70. to Very good win, as it turns out. Furman at that time was 2-0 and heading into the game. ETSU's first conference win of the season. LeJay Davidson had a horrific day. She was three of 18 from the field, did end up with 14 points because she hit six of her free throws, all six that she took. And she is second in the league in free throw percentage. So not surprising to see her have success there, but she's fifth in the league in scoring and doesn't have too many days where she's going to go three of 18 from the floor. So if she shows up and puts forth an effort, that's more typical of what she does on a game-by-game basis, ETSU is going to have to also make sure to guard in the perimeter very well. It's probably going to be Erica Haynes-Overton versus LeJay Davidson, numbers four and five in the league in scoring. We know Erica Haynes-Overton is really, I think, the most impressive player in the league simply because of the effort that she gives on both ends of the floor. A lot of players will mail in the defensive end in order to make sure they get their offensive numbers or just not be as skilled defensively. As they are on offense, Erica Haynes-Overton takes no possessions off on either end of the floor and makes things hard on the opponent's best scorer. So that's going to be a great matchup to watch and make sure coming off a big game from Lexis Spears where we've said it all year, she can be a driving force that can be unstoppable down low if she can stay on the floor, if she can be out there, if she can get the chances to do so. Yeah, she only had six minutes yesterday, but 17 points, Spears and Taborn inside, huge matchup.
0: Well, and, and the the biggest difference there is we saw Alexis Spears when she has a matchup like Wofford where she's got an advantage inside. She's 7 for 7. Against and she was 2 for 5. And, and so and even then, Brittany Stone is 4 for 9. So, you know, the the post play went 16 of 21 against Wofford last time out. And against Furman, you're talking about 6 for 18. 6 for 18 for that post play. So, clearly a difference at Tabern at six foot, what, three, four, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, Changes things dramatically. ETSU got hammered on the glass in the first matchup, 44-32, second chance points, uh, got beat 16-7, points in the paint, uh, got bested by 10. Now the one advantage was ETSU in that first game only had seven turnovers. The only time this season they had single-digit turnovers will they be able to duplicate something like that uh, against Furman. And, you know, Furman's very well coached. Jackie Carson was a heck of a player. I think a two-time Southern Conference player of the year uh, when I was in school in the, the mid to late 90s. And so she can play. She certainly knows how to coach. Uh, the the Paladins bring in the, the recruiting class that they need. And it starts with Tabor. And To me, she was 10 of 11 in the first matchup. ETSU's going to have to try to figure out what they can do to stop her. I think they also need to get more points off turnovers. They did have uh, uh, an advantage in that in the first matchup versus Furman points off turnovers, 16 to four, and again, it helped because seven turnovers for ETSU. But I think ETSU needs to rack up uh, double-digit steals. They haven't done that, but once in the last ten games, and they had a stretch where they had gone uh, nine of eleven games with double-digit steals or more. So I, th- I think they need to get that defense going again with the steals because they're much better when they can run again transition.
2: It's an important note too. Furman is coming off a big win over Chattanooga. That was a battle last night, sixty-one to fifty-four the victory for the Paladins, and they didn't need Selena Taborn to be good. She was 2 of 4 from the field, played 19 minutes, 4 points, 6 rebounds, but it was the other players. It was Davidson, who went 5 of 10, but at the line 7 of 9, 20 points. Caitlin Duncan, 6 of 11, uh, 16 points, 9 rebounds, and then... Milika Manilovic, 12 points, 9 rebounds. So those three in double figures, they can hurt you from a variety of different angles, a variety of different places on the floor. They hit their free throws, they're tops in the league in that. They defend the three-point line very well, tops in the league in opponents' three-point percentage. They're not going to put up a ridiculous amount of points. They're not going to hold you generally down into the low to mid-50s. But if they do either of those things, they can win games. They can win games different ways, which is what we saw ETSU able to do on their home stand. But, again, and not to belabor the point, ETSU has not been able to do that away from home, 0-14, neutral, or road sites this year. So, at the very base of it, it starts with ETSU being able to overcome their own, perhaps, and I talked about this in the broadcast a little bit, could start to be uh, becoming a mental block. You know, when you lose that many games away from your home gym – you start to believe perhaps some of the hype that, boy, maybe we are just a terrible road team. Why are we so uh, much different away from home than we are at home? And maybe start to overthink things. I'm not sure if that's happening with the women. Certainly didn't look like it yesterday, but with each game that goes by, I think the possibility of that grows. So Furman coming off a big win. If ETSU wins tomorrow and Chattanooga loses in their contest, tie for third. Furman now is a full game and a half ahead of the Bucs and they played one more game as well. So, this game was going to be for straight up third place but Furman beat Chattanooga yesterday so now they're in second. Chattanooga's in third.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. Again, ESPN will have the coverage uh, and we'll have our bold predictions on that coming up a little later. ETSU men's team at home against Mercer. The first time those two teams got together, it was an overtime affair and honestly, it was one of those deals where ETSU just got done playing at Citadel and I think that's a I think it's always a little easier to play Citadel on the back end of those two games than the front end. That being said, uh, Mercer really felt like they wouldn't get away because I think the Bucks went nine and a half minutes in the first half without a single point, point. Wow! and Mercer had just a four-point lead at halftime, and I think if they could have extended that, like that had to feel like a wasted opportunity for the Bears, but eventually went to overtime. Patrick Good, a couple of front ends of one and ones to really seal the deal late in the game.
2: I'm looking at the play-by-play, just incredible. Over a nine-minute span, it was two points, so they had two. You look at their uh, Mladen Armis layup with 12 minutes left. I think it was free throws.
1: Oh,
0: was it a layup?
2: And it was free throws. uh, And so they got to 18 points, and, and then they didn't score again until the 254 mark, where Mercer was only up eight. Think about that. So Mercer is not a team, I think, that ever strikes fear. Into ETSU fans' heart, Steve Forbes' heart, and certainly they haven't shown much of a reason to do so. And uh, beating them in overtime at home, I think that was the one game this year. Um, and you can make arguments, I guess, for others, but the one game this year where ETSU kind of slept walked through, you know. And like you said, coming off the back end of um, the Citadel and Mercer road trip, uh, certainly not easy to just turn around and do that. But listening to the game um, and you know watching some of it uh, later on. Um, just didn't seem like the Bucks had their best that day, but they were still able to come away. With the victory, if I remember right, uh, Patrick Good uh, sealed the game late in overtime by making some free throws, so uh, big game for Jerome Rodriguez, 20-18. Um, he was quiet offensively last night, but still got to 10 rebounds. Seems like he's always able to get to double figures there, and the Bucks hit their free throws just generally, 11-12. of 12. They had a very good day despite uh, not having a great day from the field or beyond the arc and just pounded Mercer inside on the glass, 50-23. to 23. So I think that ETSU, if they come out with, Uh, the fire that they need to if they like you said yesterday you thought that the game against citadel was much about etsu if etsu is able to come out and do some similar things uh, to what they did the first time against mercer even when they didn't have their best offensive game i think this could very early on turn into a runaway
0: yeah i think mercer tries to play traditional with center power forward all that where citadel doesn't i think that matchup's always been better for etsu because, you know, they want to play Rodriguez-Gasson-Armas and some mix of a 4-5 or five combination. And, you know, uh, you mentioned it, but Rodriguez was 9 of 12, 20 points, 18 rebounds, 8 offensive, 27 offensive rebounds, led to 20 second-chance points, just 6 offensive rebounds for Mercer led to 6, and points in the paint, the Bucks 40 to 28. Here's the other thing. We talk about free throw shooting, ETSU shot 91% in that game. They were 11 to 12 and needed – every bit of it, but uh, a couple of guys with double-digit rebounds. We mentioned Rodriguez Armas with 11 as well. Ross Cummings really has come into his own since last year after ETSU played him twice, and first glimpse of him as a scorer, he had 22 points, and, boy, he really forced a lot of bad shots and uh, kind of rabbit-hunted late to get his points, but he got 22 points. Uh, And I think Jalen Stowe's kind of a weird matchup guy, He's a 6'3", six, 6'4", six, power forward, but mm-hmm. he plays much bigger. He's strong. He's physical. He's kind of a glue guy, just kind of makes things happen. And so, uh, I think for Mercer, they definitely need Cummings to shoot the ball well. Uh, he's really the only one from outside that shoots at a tremendously high clip. they got other guys that will shoot him. Uh, Corey Kilby, I think, hit two threes. He was the only to player with multiple threes in the game against DTSU the first time. Uh, And in Marcus Cohen, a point guard, I thought would just be better than what he is, Uh, just seeing him as a freshman last year. But he had no points, four turnovers, and four assists, 0 for 4 shooting. Doesn't shoot to three for a point guard. He has to try to get to the rim. But he's an oversized point guard at like 6'3", 6'4". So a bunch of guys around the same height and do the same things for Coach Hoffman. They're always very very well coached. But I just think rebounding is going to be so huge – And then, and I know Mercer coming off a win at uh, Western Carolina, but the Bucs just have Mercer's number in in this matchup.
2: I'm going to qualify my own take here because I agree with you. I think the boards are going to be a big difference maker, and I think the Bucs are just going to be relatively comfortable in this win. But since the opener for Mercer against Furman, where they lost by 13, lost by 4 to Wofford, 4 to ETSU in overtime, 3 to Chattanooga, 7 to UNCG, 9 to Wofford. 9 to Furman, make it 11 to Furman, and then 6 against the Citadel, and of course there are 4 wins 2 against Western Carolina, 1 against Sanford by 6, and then a 20 point win against VMI, so they haven't really gotten blown out uh, now ETSU on their home floor is certainly one to be able to break that trend against teams that just are not up to the task that day, but at least recent history says that Mercer has been a team that will fight you right till the end, and I think that uh, ETSU fans will expect that from a Bob Hoffman coach team as much as they may like to yell at Bob and give him some Gruff. Um, I do still think, regardless of that recent history, that the Bucks are going to have a relatively comfortable double-digit win just simply off the skill and their guards playing as well as they have lately, along with the fact that inside they are just flat-out better than any team in the Southern Conference, and you won't be able to convince me otherwise. Um, So it should be a victory, but again, uh, last night against Citadel was not comfortable by any means, and Mercer hasn't made it easy on any team in the
0: conference here. No, no, they have not. And so ETSU has proven they just can't show up, right? Not good enough just to show up. They've got to be able to play. They've got to be able to defend the three much better than what they've done uh, the last couple games for sure. That'll do it for our preview. Uh, don't forget women's basketball two o'clock versus Firm, and tomorrow's Saturday men's basketball action pregame show on the Buccaneer Sports Network 4 o'clock tip Mercer and ETSU bold predictions on this side of this and sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network.
1: Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands free faucets, high performance gas ranges, or low decibel dishwashers.
2: They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever.
0: Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game, The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone, too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay, and O, providing mobile
1: solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bright Guy, what'd you do?
2: Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I
1: surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
0: There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Now, rumors fly a
2: lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football.
0: I mean, the Mike Airs rumor that he's leaving? No way. I bet he's there until 2025.
2: Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canton.
1: Bold Bold prediction.
0: All right, another week where I was able to play a little catch-up with Mike Gallagher. Boy, how mad is he? He didn't have a book out. He, he's even not even, even keeping it. score. Not even keeping score. I'm
2: keeping score. He's I not just, even keeping I'll score. I'm later. dominating. I'll write it down later. I'm demoralized, all right? Where is I'm going to stay hot. I, know I don't know. You, it's now. your book. No, I don't know. I'm I don't know. Sure. know that I think, Jacob gave you. I think you're down it's by three. I think it's, it's all right.
0: Sorry, about to make it up right here.
2: Okay, well, (laughs) so you're going three for three. You're bold predicting that your bold predictions will go three for
0: three. I think if there's anything I've proven in this world is I can't go three for three. If
2: you bold predict that your bold predictions will go three for three, I will give you two more bold predictions points. I can't bold predict that. I can't bold predict predict that.
0: Not even when there's no repercussions. No. No punishment. Just no. I just just can't. I just can't. I will say this. I'm going to start with a man, and I'm going to go 75%. Only four times this year, and one of them was against Mercer on the road, but only four times this year, ETSU has gone 75% or more. And uh, one of the times was 3-for-3 three three versus Creighton, which I don't even know if that should even be included. A, they only shot three free throws at Creighton, which is ludicrous because they dominated inside. But I'm going to go 75% or better from the free throw line where the Bucks have not done that in the last uh, nine games.
2: I'm going to go – we see a member of the backcourt, same position, bench guy Isaiah Tisdale come in and have a massive game last night against Citadel, put up 29, a career high. I'm going to go with Davian Williamson, who has not gotten to double figures since the VMI game where he scored 23 back on January 17th. I'm going to Davian Williamson, 20-plus again. He has been very quiet over the last month, but time and again we've seen – those that you wouldn't expect to come in and have big nights for etsu pick up where one guy leaves off i think positionally Tis, isaiah tisdale probably leaves off where davian williamson will pick up on saturday against mercer
0: women's basketball versus Furman. i'm i'm going double digit steals sticking with the theme here it's been a long time since it that has. double digit steals and for them uh, the women's basketball team be successful. I think they need to get out and transition. They need to run. They need to be aggressive. They need to make it hard to throw the ball inside to Tabor. I'm going to go 10 or more steals for ETSU women's basketball versus Farman.
2: Erica Haynes Overton had just her second steal-less game of the year. She is being challenged by Kaya Upton for most steals on the team in this conference play. Uh, overall in the year, of course, Erica Haynes Overton's well ahead, but in league play only. Erica Haynes-Overton is being inched up on by Kaya Upton, which is surprising to see because Erica Haynes-Overton usually doesn't have anyone in the league that's close to her with steals. I'm going to go with the top two in the conference in field goal percentage facing off Lexis Spears and Selena Tabor, and Lexus Spears outscores Selena Taborn. Lexus had 17 points in those six minutes, but that was an outlier. She played only 17 minutes at home on the three-game homestand combined. I'm saying that she's out there more on Saturday against Furman. She shuts down Selena Taborn and then on the other end has some success against her. It is a crucial matchup in that contest and Lexus Spears will win it.
0: All right, last one our randomness. I'm gonna go top 25 college basketball Friday night, not Saturday, Friday night's ah. the only game it's on a ESPN network. It's a Mac game. Buffalo is ranked. They're on the road at Toledo and I'm taking Toledo to upset Buffalo uh, for my bold prediction
2: is Toledo at home.
0: Toledo is at home.
2: okay. I'm going, I think incredibly bold here. Yours is kind of bold. I think mine is incredibly bold. Isn't Toledo in the top 25 in mid-major? They I'm pretty are. sure Toledo is. Yeah, so yes. We go with top 25 in the mid-major. I go top 25 in the AP poll. It's number one versus number five, Tennessee against Kentucky. Tennessee has lost only one game this year, as we know. 87-81 to 81 against number two, Kansas, and that was forever ago, like late November, early December, whenever it was. They're going to lose by 20-plus. Against Kentucky, Hello. twenty plus. Kentucky is Have angry you, after they got jobbed by the reps against LSU. They're going to come out firing at rock. Are you uh, ready for the backlash? Yes, I am fully ready. I email mean, Sandoz at mail. Oh no, you. You
0: need to do. You better talk to Jacob and Trey about that. That's the first guy that's going to get you. All right. We'll recap the weekend Monday on Sanderson's Sidekick Buccaneers. For that work.